0: Welcome to the broadcast today. I am Pastor Jeff Shreve with First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. I'm filling in this week for Dan Celia. Dan, uh, who hosts financial issues, is recovering from an illness, and he is slowly getting better, and so we just pray that God would put his healing hand upon Dan and bring him back to full health. Well, I wanted to... uh, talk today about what is going on in our world. We have all the things related to the COVID-19 restrictions, lockdowns and vaccine mandates and uh, what we're seeing in Canada, the freezing of bank accounts and uh, of the peaceful protesters. We have parents uh, talking to school boards and being alienated with what is being taught at the schools. We have pastors being arrested in Canada for uh, having church services, churches being threatened and, and fined if they don't shut down, and all the things that have happened in the last couple of years. It's just a, uh, a crazy, crazy time. And uh, it's definitely shocking to witness, especially in America, the, uh, the loss of our freedoms. It's just like our, our country is melting down, Before our eyes. And make no mistake, God is all about freedom, spiritual freedom and religious freedom. He wants us to be free. The scripture says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Galatians chapter 5. Verse one, it was for freedom that Christ set us free, therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Now, Paul was talking about uh, the Galatian Christians who were going back to the law. He said, are you so foolish? Have you begun in the spirit? Now you're being perfected in the flesh? I mean, that doesn't make sense. Did you uh, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And it's obvious by hearing with faith. Well, God doesn't want us to be shackled with the condemnation of the law. He wants us to walk in the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. And the founding fathers, many committed Christians in that group, they understood what the scripture said. They saw what was going on in the world. They saw the dangers of oppressive government, and they wanted to have a government that was of the people, by the people, and for the people. And they knew how important virtue and faith in God was to our form of government. And so we want to talk about that today. What is going on And what can we do about it? Now, our special guest in the studio today is Dr. Bill Federer, William J. Federer. And uh, Bill is a dear friend. He has written many, many books. He is a fire hydrant of information. It is wild to talk to Bill. Uh, He knows dates and places and people uh, almost in any year. Uh, I love to get to pick his brain. And so he is with us today. Bill, thanks for being on the broadcast.
1: Oh, Jeff, great to be with you.
0: Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on, Bill. I, I read your book, uh, From uh, from Change to Chains. I always have trouble with that title because it's it <laughs> sounds so much alike. But now I'm reading The Rise of the Tyrant, And there is a quote in The Rise of the Tyrant from Alexander Solzhenitsyn says, If we don't know our history, we will simply have to endure all the same mistakes, sacrifices, and absurdities all over again. Uh, You are a history buff, a history buff extraordinaire. Why do you think so few people in America, relatively speaking, know our history and know the history of the world as it relates to uh, monarchies and despots and and that kind of thing?
1: Well, there is a tactic called deconstruction where you separated people from their past, get them into a neutral where they don't remember where they came from, and then you can brainwash them into the future you have planned for them. And every conquering country does it, um, but it's a sales technique. So if I was a toothpaste salesman, the first thing I do is I tell you negative things about the toothpaste you're currently using. You're still brushing with that stuff. Haven't you read that it'll eat the enamel off your teeth? Ooh, you're repulsed by it. Now I have you in a neutral, you're open-minded. What are all the toothpaste out there? Then I give you my pitch for this brand new tar-controlled breast fresher toothpaste. So the tactic is they go into the classrooms and they tell the kids negative things about the founding fathers. They took land from Indians. They sold people into slavery. They were chauvinists. Forget the fact that they gave you a country where you're in charge of your life. And the kids are repulsed by the founders. And now you have the kids in the neutral. They're open-minded. What are all the belief systems out there? Then you give them your pitch for socialism or LGBT or Sharia Islam. But it's a drive-neutral reverse. And it's a tactic uh, you know, that was used in Europe during the French Revolution. And you know, even in China, the 5th century BC, the Emperor Qin Shi Huangdi conquered a half-dozen kingdoms. And, and then he was criticized for doing things differently than they had had been done before. He decided to destroy all records of how things were done before, and he burnt tens of thousands of bamboo annal books. Um, so this is the idea that Mao Zedong copied when he instituted the uh, cultural revolution in China. He destroyed thousands of years of history so that he could have this mass of uneducated young people that he could brainwash into the People's Republic of China. So so the, the ignorance is intentional. They want to have a generation that does not know history, because then they can easily uh, manipulate them into whatever future they have planned for them.
0: Well, when I was in high school, we, we were required to read the book Animal Farm by George Orwell, which is a, a great little allegory of what's going on today and what has gone on in the past. And it, Bill, I know you know that book. I mean, they would, they would have their rules and then they would erase them at night. And then the people, the animals were too, too dumb to say, wait a minute, that's changed. And so we're seeing that unfold right before our eyes.
1: Yeah, um uh, uh, the um George Orwell wrote a, another, another book called uh, 1984. And in there he has a character named Winston and his job is to change history. He works for the uh, Ministry of Truth, right? So it's um They call it doublespeak, but it's like the government names bills to do the opposite of what the bill does. Uh, Politicians will say one thing, but they'll do another. But in this um, character, uh, Winston, uh, he's uh, in a room and he's taking history. Uh, They had... Pneumatic tubes, like when you're at a bank and you put your deposit in that little tube and it sucks it up, um, that was a new invention. So he would be at his desk, and the pneumatic tube would have the piece of history come in that he's supposed to edit, and he'd cut out the old and and put in what they want new, and then he'd take the old history and put it down another pneumatic tube that would suck it down into the basement into the incinerator. So he called it the memory hole, and um, Mm. the uh, idea was that um, uh, he said even if I uh, made the changes myself. He said that I couldn't prove it to anybody. And so the true history only existed in my mind, and I d- didn't know if anybody shared my own thoughts. And he says once the editing was done, uh, the it was erased. There was no record, and the history uh, faded into the mist, and the lie became truth. And so if there's no God, what's wrong with manipulating history to push your agenda and that's the attitude. It's sort of like how you have a spin on an article and the journalist will write it. Um and so again if there's no god, what's wrong with spinning history?
0: Well, how does how does a person that is spinning history when they know they're giving you a false uh spin on this story? Let's say uh, some newscaster or editor or something like that. How do they justify that in their mind? I know I'm telling you a lie. I'm trying to deceive you. Uh, What do you think the thought process is with that?
1: Yeah, Islam does the same thing. Uh, In other words, if there's an artifact that might show that Jews had a temple, their response is to destroy the artifact. Um, Their agenda of world Islam is superior to any uh, historical evidence. So they uh, come into Egypt uh, in 832 A.D., there was a sultan that saw the temples, the pyramids had tunnels to stone walls. And he goes, nobody builds a tunnel to a stone wall. There's got to be something behind it. He had his men light a fire in front of the stone. And over a couple of weeks, it weakened the stone. They cracked through. They saw all this gold and pagan stuff. And so they proceeded to loot every pyramid and temple and destroy the history and they did the same with the Greeks and the Greek temples and then the Christian churches. And then over in India, they destroyed Hindu temples.
0: And uh, Bill, Bill, hold that, Bill, hold that thought. we got to take a break, but we'll be right back. Don't go away.
2: Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance or if, like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with— you still have a choice. It's called MetaShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, Metashare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And Metashare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MetaShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious
3: about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at
4: friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org
0: to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the host of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. I'm filling in this week for Dan Celia as he recovers from his illness. We're talking to Bill Federer. We're talking about uh, how history repeats itself. Bill, on the back of your book, It says this, can 6,000 years of history help predict the future? How does history reveal the future to us?
1: Right, so I tell people history is not prophetic, but it is predictive. Past behavior is the best indicator of future performance. So imagine if there's a white piece of paper and I put a dot in the middle, and I ask you where the next dot's going to be. Well, it could be anywhere, 360 degrees. But if I could show you all the dots preceding that dot, and then I ask you where the next dot's going to be. Well, you could take a ruler and line it up next to it and sort of plot and say, well, it's going to be up here somewhere. So if once you have two dots on the page or three dots, you can then have some ability to, to see a line, to see an angle. And uh, people say history repeats itself. Really, human nature repeats itself. And history is just the record of that. And the only difference throughout history is military advancements allow dictators to kill more people and technological advancements allow dictators to track more people. But it's that same fallen nature of cane, kill, and evil. So the biggest thing I do is I do an overview of all of recorded history. Writing was invented around 3300 B.C., Sumerian cuneiform on clay tablets in the Mesopotamian Valley. And from the beginning of the invention of writing, Human beings writing down human records. From the beginning of record keeping, the most common form of government is what? It's kings. Nimrod, Pharaoh, Caesar, Kaiser, Sultan, Tsar, Tilda, Genghis Khan, Julius Caesar, King of England. It's kings. Power wants to concentrate. It's like Newton's law of gravity. The lesser mass is attracted to the greater mass. It's like power wants to concentrate. And um, uh, when you get concentrated power, it's a hierarchical system. If you're friends with the king on top, you're more equal. You're not friends with the king. You're less equal. You're an enemy of the king. You're dead. It's called treason. <laughs> oh, you're a slave. People say, I thought slavery started in 1619. No, whenever you had the first king on top, you had slaves on the bottom. And uh, so this hierarchical system keeps repeating itself, and it keeps getting big, bigger because with military advancements and technological advancements, clearly there's a global goal in mind. And it's, at some point, it's going to max out <laughs> on, on, with a global dictator and, and uh, you know, the whole book of Revelation there. And Jesus says the wheat and tares grow together till the harvest. So you always have this picture. Now, the first instance we have in recorded history of a nation without a king is what? It's ancient Israel. On 1400 BC, they leave the Pharaoh. They come into the promised land. And for 400 years, no king. And it works because every single citizen is taught the law and every single citizen is personally accountable to God to follow the law. It's a self-government system, and it's every single person. Um, they don't steal because they say, God's watching me. He wants me to be fair. He's going to hold me accountable. Maybe I should hesitate stealing, create something in your head called the conscience, and it worked until the priests stopped teaching the law, and Eli, the high priest, his own sons, are sleeping with women, and the, the very tent where the Ark of the Covenant is, and another Levite with a concubine who gets raped to death. And, and you see these, these Levites had sort of fallen down on the job. They stopped teaching it, and it turns into chaos, and they all go to Samuel, the prophet, and they say, the self-government system is not working. We, we want to be like all the other countries. We want a king. And um, so that period is what America's founders looked back toward uh, in colonial, especially New England, this idea of if the whole population is taught the Bible, and everybody feels accountable to God to follow the law, then you can maintain order with no police. And uh, so when we say it's one nation under God, it's more than just a nice little tip of the hat to God. No, it's the continual awareness that God exists. He's watching you. He wants you to be fair. He's going to hold you accountable in the future. That motivates everybody to do the self-government, the virtue thing, and then you can maintain a free country without a king. Uh, You get rid of this God. You get rid of the laws. All you have is raw, human, selfish desires. It turns into chaos and lawlessness. And then everybody says, we want some government to come in and restore order. And the rubber band snaps back and you get a king.
0: Well, okay. So we, we had talked off air about uh, the, the quote that was attributed to Alexis de Tocqueville about America is great because America is good. And if America ceases to be good, morally good, America will cease to be great. Now, he may not have said that, but it's attributed to him and it's a true statement. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yes, yes. The, um, the understanding that I, I use a word picture. Everybody has an iPhone with a GPS. Imagine an app that is a behavioral app that tells you how to act in real time. Right, It's sensing your blood pressure going, and it senses there's somebody else in the room with you, and you're about to lose your temper, and it says, alert, alert, don't lose your temper. And then it looks at your bank account, it's running low, and then it sees you in a store with expensive stuff, and nobody's around, runs this algorithm, you're being tempted to steal. Alert, alert, don't steal. Uh, imagine a behavioral app, that, and, and that's what the law is. And the Levites were like the computer geeks that helped everyone to download this app. And so you had this self-government system going on in ancient Israel. And, of course, the reason you follow it is because you're accountable to God. Um, this is what the idea was in America, that if everybody is taught this law, that you can maintain order. And um, it's uh, what, it, and that's why it's still, God chose Abraham, because he knew he would teach this the law to his kids. Uh, you know, it says in Deuteronomy, teach this law to your, your sons and your grandsons. And, and that's why the other side wants to go after the kids. We think of where spirit, mind, and body. Your mind is like a super fancy computer. It's more than that, but it's at least that. And your body's like the computer case, which makes it silly for people to argue over what color the computer case is. Reds are better than greens. Like, doesn't matter what color the case is. What matters is what software is on it. So the battle is who gets to load the software on the next generation's brains. And it's our job to put God's word on there. The other side wants to put their malware and spyware and corrupted files and you know, all kinds of viruses on these little kids' brains. But that's the battle. It's, it's over the schools. It's over who gets to teach the next generation.
0: Right. Well, Hitler did the same thing with his Hitler youth programs, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Every you know, the famous story, and I quote it in my book, uh, these people go to Hitler and they say, we'll never follow you. And he says, I don't care. I've got your kids. Um, and, uh, this, you know, a similar quote from Stalin and and basically, every dictator. Plato talked about that. Uh, 380 BC, he says democracy is based on the people having virtue, but people really don't have virtue because if you give them a choice of giving up their life or giving up their virtue, they'll always give up their virtue to save their life. And and so uh, Plato's uh, conclusion is that democracy is, at some point is going to it's going to turn into lawlessness. And then everybody's going to say, we want somebody to come along and fix it. And it's going to turn into a, a dictator coming along saying, I'll fix it. I just need some emergency powers. And then he says, how's this dictator going to stay in power? He's going to take the children away from the parents and before they've been affected by the habits of their parents. And he'll bring them into the city and he'll teach the children lies, noble lies. But the lies help him stay in power. And since it's OK for him to stay in power because it's better than a democracy uh, here you, you have the government teaching the kids lies, um, but the lies just help the ruling classes stay up there. So that's the so, goal. Who gets to teach the kids?
0: So, Bill, in the minds of a person that's doing that, uh, there is obviously no virtue. Um, it, it's just the Saul Alinsky thing that says, hey, our endgame is power. And so whatever you have to do to gain and keep power makes everything all right.
1: Yeah, it, it, they're convinced their agenda is good. Uh, they want to have a heaven on earth. And so they think that if they can light, cheat, steal, uh, then the end is good. It goes back to Machiavelli uh, 500 years ago, lived in Italy. And Italy had a bunch of city-states that were always fighting each other. Venice, Genoa, Naples, Florence, Siena. And Machiavelli thought if one prince could control all of these Italian city-states, it would stop the infighting. So he writes a book called The Prince, where he advocates the end justifies the means. The end of one prince controlling all of Italy is such a good end, because it'll stop the infighting, that any means necessary to get there is justified. Lie, cheat, steal. So if a prince conquers a city, and the city doesn't want to be conquered, they would hate the prince. But if the prince could pay criminals to kill cows, burn barns, smash windows loot, do random violence, the people will cry out for help. The prince will come in and get rid of the very criminals he bribed to create the best. <laughs> Nobody will know the better for it. They'll praise the prince as a hero. So it's good marketing. You create the need and fill it. You go around the back of the house and set it on fire. Then you go around the front of the house and sell them a fire extinguisher. And they'll pay anything for it and even thank you for being there. And And so that's the idea, is that they think their, their end is so good that anything is justified to to reach it. Um, and Saul Linsky talked about that same thing.
0: So I mean those the people that are doing this are not are not a bunch of dummies. And they can read history too before they destroy it and, and rewrite it. They know what happens and what has happened. They know socialism never works. Why do you think they keep riding that horse just so that they can be in power for a certain amount of time.
1: Yeah, they think that the reason it didn't work before is because the people weren't as smart as they are, and so they always maintain this idea that this time we'll do it right. And it's a uh, it's a, a, a fake it's a false promise because human nature hasn't changed. Uh, in my I wrote a book called Socialism: The Real History from Plato to the Present, and the uh, the, the thought is why do you go back to Plato? Plato's the first one that talked about everybody owning everything in common. And it sounds nice until you think it through. Somebody's got to be in the government handing out all the common stuff. And they are always going to be tempted to funnel a little extra to their family and friends on the side. And they're always going to be tempted to hold back from someone they just don't like. And before you know it, it gets discretionary. And the saying is, he who holds the purse strings has the power. And so every attempt at everybody owning everything equally always ends up with a deep state bureaucracy that's in charge of handing out all this free stuff run by the most corrupt of the group at the top, who turns out to be a dictator. right? So every attempt at, at socialism always ends up with a dictatorship.
0: Mm. Well, that explains a lot, for sure. Well, we're talking to uh, Bill Federer, Bill Federer, prolific uh, author, uh, World History and American History. Uh, Buff, And we're talking about what's going on in the world and how does history tell us the future. So this has been a fascinating talk. We're going to continue after the break. So please don't go away. And uh, I'm Jeff Shreve filling in for Dan Celia. Please pray for Dan that God would put his healing hand upon him. And we'll be right. uh, We'll be here right after the break. Don't go away.
1: Spiritual practice, but it's also one of the most intimidating and mysterious things that we need to get a better handle on. I'm Charles Morris. Join me and Nancy Guthrie all week on a Haven Today series called "What We Should Know About Prayer."
3: Haven Today, weekday mornings at 4:30 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at afr.net. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this, and that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today, thegodwhospeaks.org.
4: How do we change a nation, one heart at a time? The Ministry of Preborn not only shares heartbeats, but shares hearts by loving women in crisis and leading them to Christ. When this mother came to a preborn center, she was scared and not sure she could afford another child. It
3: was just a scary time for us, having my daughter, how that would impact our lives. When I came here, it was just so amazing to come to an environment where someone would actually pray for me and guide me through my battles that I was facing during that time.
4: After receiving love, support, and the Gospel of Christ, this mom chose life for her daughter. You can be a part of rescuing lives and changing hearts for Christ. For $140, sponsor five ultrasounds, and you'll receive a story and pictures of babies' lives that were spared. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, baby. Or go to preborn.com. Your gift is
0: tax deductible. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, filling in this week for Dan Celia. I'm talking to Bill Federer, Bill Federer, who is noted American historian and world historian. So, Bill, here's a question for you. As we read the Bible, we know that the devil doesn't have a lot of new tricks. He, he's very methodical, and uh, he'll put kind of a maybe new paint on an old trick, but it's it's pretty much the same thing every time. Genesis chapter 3. Uh, Indeed, has God said, uh, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. So, when you see how predictable things are in our world as it relates to government. Um, what do you think is going to happen next? What would, you, uh, what would you surmise we're going to see happen in America in the next five years, let's say?
1: Well, uh, in the reflecting on history to be predictive, um, the most common form of government, the king, democracies and republics are attempts to take the power of the king and give it to the people. Uh, democracy only really happened on a small level. So demos means people, crossing means rule. In Athens, they had 6,000 citizens, and every citizen had to be at every meeting every day to talk about every issue. And if you didn't keep up with what they're talking about today, you're called an idiotist, an idiot. <laughs> and um, and so logistically, traveling you it could only be the distance you could travel in a day. So they call them city-states because it could not get no longer larger than a city. Uh, a republic is where you take care of your family and your farm, and you have someone in your place that goes to the market every day and talks politics. They're your representative. So the REP in the word republic is basically the same REP in the word representative. Republican form of government is you're the king. You're just ruling through representatives. So democracies and republics are attempts to take the power of the king, give it to the people. But what if the king wants the power back? Does he just go to the people and say, hi, I want to be king. Give me complete authority over your life. Uh, or people apt to give it up. No. So there's two tactics in which the King can take the power back fear. When people get afraid, they will trade freedom for security. And the others free stuff. The King's so nice. He gives you free stuff and then you get dependent. And then he says, you want to continue to get this free stuff. You've got to incrementally give up your freedom. And so, uh, In in the book I wrote called Socialism, the Real History from Plato to the Present, the subtitle is how the deep state capitalizes on crises to consolidate control. So whenever there's a crisis, people want a quick fix, and they're willing to trade their freedom for security. But the free stuff, that's an interesting one. So uh, if you, uh, like a drug dealer, can take over a neighborhood two ways. He can come in with guns and shoot people, and everybody gets in fear, and they'll trade their freedom to the— Mob in exchange for being allowed to live. Uh, but the free stuff, the drug dealer can, can give away free drugs. He's so nice, but then you get hooked. And then he says, Oh, you want some more free drugs? You're going to sell yourself into prostitution and rob and kill your neighbor. And so, you know, a hunter gets the animals two ways. He can go in with guns or set traps. And a trap is where you lure them based on their. So the Bible says, every man is drawn away by his own lust and tempted and enticed. And so it's a trap. And um, I was reading how to catch pigs in the wild. So you put a post in the ground, throw some corn down. The pigs come, eat the corn, ignore the post. Next day, there's two posts and then three posts and then four. And you start putting them in a semicircle until finally there's just a little opening. And the pigs come in, eat the corn, and then you shut the gate. And you caught yourself some pigs. So that's the backdoor. It's called the Great Reset. You want to get as many people. Uh, so So... You know, Karl Marx talked about this. Um, you know, you want to put out a business, the small capitalists. Um, uh, you know, the the salt. The what is it? Richard Cloward, Francis Piven, the Cloward Piven strategy. You want to get as many people to sign up for welfare. So this idea is Lenin said you grind the middle class out of existence between the two millstones of taxation and inflation. Taxes, you take away their money. Inflation, what's that? That's where you you create trillions of dollars in stimulus programs and infrastructure programs that are not intended to stimulate and not intended to build the infrastructure. They're intended to create trillions of dollars chasing the same amount of goods. And then the price of the goods skyrocket with inflation. And the people that are on fixed income can no longer survive. So they go to the government and say, help. And the government says, we'll help. Here's a check. And the people sign up for it. And they end up getting dependent and then the government says oh um we noticed that you didn't get your latest booster uh, if you want to continue to get the checks you got to do that oh and and you have to sign up for facial recognition on your computer screen if you want to file oh and somehow we found out you have guns in your house so we got the license records, and so you got to give up your guns if you want to continue to get these checks. And and you got to do this, that, and And so once people get dependent on the government, they incrementally give up their freedoms to continue that. This is called the Great Reset, so they're intentionally wanting to do this globally, right? And so you're backdooring the countries into socialism. There's even a quote from um, uh, Lord Macaulay uh, back in the 1840s writing to uh, the governor of New York. And he's saying, you're counting your wonderful democracy, he said, uh, but the time will come when there's poor people in New York that have had half a breakfast and there's an re- election where one's calling for per- re- respecting rights and everything and another demagogue ranting about how some people drink champagne while others don't have enough money to live. And guess which one the people are going to vote for? And he says, you're going to basically give up your um nice democracy and it's going to turn into uh, a dictatorship. But um, how is know, that from per- Caesar and Napoleon will seize the reins of government? So.
0: Okay. So Bill, do you, do you see that there are just a, a few that are making up, you know, like kind of like this evil cabal that is kind of governing what is, is taking place in the world? How do you see that?
1: Yeah, there's uh, a small group at the top that know what's going on. All the rest of them, they're just motivated by self-interest. And so you have, uh, you know, a politician wants to get elected, and he needs money. And so he goes to those that have money. Um, You know, one interesting thing is uh, uh, Kevin Freeman has the economic war room on, like, the Glenn Beck uh, network. And uh, he talks about how in the last 10 years there's been the uh, creation of – these index funds uh, that manage assets. And the biggest are BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. <clears throat> and they're the number one owner of the stock of both Coke and Pepsi. We thought they were competitors. And General Mills and Nestle. We thought they were competitors. And they are the ones that own the most stock and most of the communication companies, pharmaceutical companies, media companies, everything trillions of dollars. And they're managing assets. So, you know, you have the Teachers Association and you got retirements. Um, you're not going to drive across the country to go to an Exxon stockholder meeting. So you check this little proxy box. And so these asset management companies show up at the stockholder meeting with thousands of proxy votes. They basically take over the meeting and they say, okay, you need a more diverse board. You need to push diversity and LGBT through your company, through training. Oh, you need to be pro-China. You need to be be woke. And so they've co-opted these corporations that we, for the longest time, thought that they were leaning conservative, now they've been taken over. And um, and so most of the people that work at the company, they have to do what the stockholders said. So they're pushing diversity in the company because they want their job. Now politicians want to get elected. They go to the company and say, hey, can you donate money to my PAC or something like that? And so now they're going to donate money to the people that are pushing this woke agenda. And so you have all these, you know, politicians and people working jobs. They just want to keep their job. They just want to get reelected. They just want... And so now, but the money is being funneled with from those that have this agenda. And um, yeah, so, so there's some at the top that know what's going on, but everybody else, they just want to keep their job and they're just going along with it. Um, there is a purging taking place uh, through the, they call it politicizing the federal departments, but basically it's chasing out people that don't embrace this new agenda. And so there's a purging going on. People want to keep their government jobs until they're not caving. And it's disturbing what's happening in the military. And so all the pushing of the LGBT agenda, the critical race theory, and now the vax versus unvaxxed, we're seeing the military purged of people that have uh, traditional values and, and even convictions about their own bodies. Those are being pushed out. And who's left? Just people that want to keep their jobs. And they're they turn into yes men. But what's different with the military, because you look at history, uh, whenever the military is purged of people that have convictions and morals and conscience, uh, it's like remember that My Lai massacre during the Vietnam War and that one soldier killed the whole village. And he says, well, i was just following orders. And they said, no, no, no. You've got to have some conscience where you say if the, the order is wrong, I'm not going to do it. They want to get rid of those people. They want the people that will fire on civilians if they tell them to fire on civilians. So they're doing this purge, and that always precedes a military crackdown. Um, And so you can go through history. Lenin did it. Stalin did it. Hitler did it. Whenever you purge the military of people that have those type of convictions, it's a setup for the very next step of using the military. So it's sort of naive of us to think that the same people pushing their agenda through the courts through the public schools, through uh, all kinds of corporations. The same people that are pushing their agenda, that it's naive of us to think that they won't be tempted to push their agenda through the military. And we see that happening in Canada, right? They're sending the police out. They're sending these people out to enforce uh, their this Trudeau dictatorship. It, it's um, uh, So so that's, yes, what, what I see happening in the future. Um, if we don't wake up, if we don't start pushing back, um, then – I think that is something that is on the table that, that may be uh, heading our way.
0: Well, that's a scary deal uh, when you start thinking about that. The good news is, as believers in Jesus, we know that He is the King. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and He's not uh, bothered by any of this. The the He's, the Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. So we can look to him and we need to stand up and be counted. That's been on my heart is God give us boldness to stand up and be counted in the time in which we live for such a time as this. We're on this earth. So we're talking to Bill Federer about history and about the future. Don't go away. We'll be right back after the break.
3: So they asked me to enter my email address, and the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that?
4: Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts, One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters.
3: AFR is the voice of reason. American Family Radio Spring Shareathon is April 19th through the 21st. An inspiring part of Shareathon is hearing how God is using American Family Radio.
4: It's a lifeline for me during the
3: day. Please take a moment to share how God has used AFR in your life. Call now at 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893.
1: We are not allowed to have a U-Haul that comes to heaven with us.
4: Anna Marie Travers has an AFA Foundation charitable gift annuity.
1: The Lord has given us uh, things that we can uh, acquire, but you know, everything will stay here and I'm so thankful for for the American Family uh, Annuity Fund where we can give some
0: to something that we so highly value.
4: Through the AFA Foundation, a charitable gift annuity provides a monthly income as well as a legacy of support for the American Family Association.
1: I cannot uh, recommend a a better person than uh, they have at AFA to help you with getting your annuity fund It was so easy.
4: Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345.
0: Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and founder of From His Heart Ministries. I'm filling in this week for Dan Celia. We're talking to Bill Federer. We're talking about history, and we're talking about how history is a window to the future. Okay, Bill, let me ask you this question. So the Founding Fathers were smart guys who studied history, uh, guys, many of them, who had a deep relationship with the Lord. If they were to come back today and see what's going on in America, uh, no doubt they would be heartsick. but do you think they would be surprised?
1: Um, uh, Some of them would. not You had William Henry Harrison. He said the tendency of power to increase itself when exercised by a single individual would terminate in a monarchy. Um, So he talked about the monarchy. You had uh, Ezra Stiles, the president of Yale. He says whatever mutations may arise in the United States, perhaps monarchy in a standing army will be the last. Uh, So he saw power concentrating. And then Ben Franklin said a similar thing. He says, um, I am apprehensive that the government of the states may in the future end in a monarchy. So the dilemma. Good people want to concentrate power so they can do good more efficiently. But they're not in office forever. And at some point, they have to hand it over to the other party that uses that concentrated power oppressively. Bible example, Joseph in Egypt. Godly man concentrates power into the hands of the Pharaoh. And what did the Pharaoh do with the power? He fed the children of Israel. Gave them the best land of Goshen, gave him jobs taking care of his cattle. But then there was a new pharaoh that did not know Joseph, and he used all that concentrated power to oppress the children of Israel, make them throw their sons in the Nile River, and make them slaves. So that's the dilemma. We get our guy in there, that says, okay, it's okay for him to usurp a little power because he he's pushing our agenda. Um, but at some point, it's passed over. So you look at these different departments. You know, the, the Department of Education. Well, yeah, we want to concentrate power because we want to make sure everybody reaches these standards. Well, now it's turned over, so it's pushing transgendered stuff and all that. You know, we concentrate, you know, powers with the banking cop all these different, you know, powers, and but then it gets used oppressively, and um, and so that that's something that I think that the founders saw. George Washington's farewell address. He said, "Use though so in one instance is the instrument of good." It's the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. Usurpation, what's that? That's where there's a crisis, and you have some leader that comes along and says, we're going to do an emergency, a taking of power because we're, this is an emergency. And he says, we want to do something good. We want to stop a pandemic. We want to do this. And he says, that's how you destroy a free government. You let a leader in time of emergency usurp power." Again, the quote, usurpation, though in one instance, is the instrument of good, Is it is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. I mean, it was good that FDR wanted to get us through the Depression, but he concentrates all these powers with New Deal program. It was, you know, good that Lyndon Johnson wanted to get rid of poverty, but he concentrates all these powers in the Great Society Welfare State. It was, you know. George W. Bush, it was good. He wanted to stop more terrorist attacks, but it, it happened where the power concentrates, where the government can read everybody's emails and track you with your phone and look at every search you do on Google. And it's like, in the name of some instrument of good, power concentrate, and over time, so Washington ends by saying, whatever transient benefit, whatever temporary benefits gained from the usurpation of power, is far outweighed by permanent evil. This is his farewell address. He's giving a warning to the country. He's like, watch out in times of crises, of some leader coming along. saying." So in other words, all our Constitution is, is a bunch of hurdles to prevent a president from ruling by mandate. Mm. So it's mm. to take the power of a, of a king and separate it into three branches, then separate it at federal to state level, then tie it up with 10 handcuffs we call the First Ten Amendments. And all our government is, is a, is a bunch of hurdles to prevent a president from ruling through mandates and executive orders. We want to and slow. In other, in other words, they set up a government that was slow on part on purpose, slow to making good decisions. But thank God, slow to making irreversible bad decisions.
0: Right, and it's it's John Adams who said we have devised a government for a moral and religious people. Uh, I believe it was John Adams or John Jay, right. one of those one of those guys. John Adams. Um, it was Adams. Yeah, and yeah. he he says that our government is wholly inadequate for a, a non moral and an irreligious citizenry. Because you have to have yeah. that conscience that guides you. That's that's obviously triggered by the Word of God and the, the teachings from Scripture. Well, hey, Bill, how would uh, how would the founding fathers and how did they uh, reconcile Romans thirteen with rebelling against the king?
1: Right, Romans thirteen is you submit to the authority in the country, and all authority is set up by God. All right. Well, Paul wrote that when there was an empire where there were kings. Who's the ultimate authority in America? It's we, the people. The word citizen means co-king. A republic is where the citizens are king, ruling through representatives. So when we have people protesting the flag, uh, we pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic, they're basically protesting to them participating in being a king. right? I don't like this government where I participate in ruling myself. It's like, okay. (laughs) And so the the idea is that... um, uh, we're in charge, Romans 13, uh, the politicians are our servant. You hire them, you fire them, they're public servants. Imagine a king going through his castle and the janitor says, King, you can't go in this part of the castle anymore. Like, who are you? I'm a janitor. Right? Uh, where do you come from? Oh, uh, the cook and the butler appointed me. Like, <laughs> What's a Supreme Court justice? Uh, well, they're appointed by the president. I vote in the president. They're confirmed by the Senate. I vote in the Senate. So in other words, you're like a servant of a servant. Uh, yeah. Who are you to tell me that marriage is forever changed? And even Abraham Lincoln says the people of this country are the rightful masters of both Congresses and... So we, the people, are the masters. The politicians are our servants. And it, it, it makes no sense that we should surrender and follow the, the, the servant, right? I mean... We're we're the ones that are supposed to tell the servant what needs to happen. They're supposed to represent us. And because we haven't understood this, we've neglected our role. And so I see there's an awakening taking place where, you know, the word citizen is Greek. It means co-king. I use a little word picture in in my presentations of um, 379 A.D., There's a Christian Roman emperor named Theodosius, and he's going to church in Milan, Italy, and the pastor is Bishop Ambrose, St. Ambrose. And the painting has Ambrose rebuking uh, Theodosius uh, over something. But the idea is, what would it be like to be Ambrose and having the emperor in your church on Sunday? That's sort of what we have in America. The majority of the people in America are Christian. The latest Pew poll is 65% Christian, which is way down. 20 years ago, it was like 90% Christian, so we're, we're on the wrong trend. But 65% is still a majority. So a majority of the people in America identify as Christian, and they have pastors. And so the pastors are like counselors to the king. And you have two types of pastors. One tells the king to go to sleep, shirk your responsibility, just focus on your own relationship with God, and be negligent about... The, the verse that says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Forget your posterity. Just focus on your own relationship with God. right? And there's another set of pastors that throws ice water on their congregation that says, wake up. You don't just have the right to vote in America. You're going to be held accountable to God for what happened. Right? If they're teaching stuff to little kids that Jesus wouldn't teach. Jesus says in the beginning, God made them male and female. And yet they're trying to guilt trip Christians to allow them to teach something that Jesus would never teach. Well, if you're really Christian, you'll tolerate this This LGBT. What Jesus te- Jesus said, if you allow one of these little ones that believes in me to stumble, better that a millstone be put around your neck and be, be thrown in the depths of the sea. So that's why there's an awakening take, taking place right now of pastors getting church members to run for school boards. There's a dozen organizations around the country that says, look, you drive by that building every day. They're teaching transgender, drag queen story hour, boys and girls bathrooms. Are you in favor of that? Uh, no. Well, do you know that that school board member got elected by like 100 votes and there's like 500 people in your church? If your church just simply agreed on one candidate, you can vote those guys out overnight. And so what happens is these pastors say, hey, if I'm a good pastor and they're teaching something that Jesus would never teach, and if I don't do anything about it, it's better that a millstone still be put around my neck. Right. So there's like, OK, somebody in this church run for school board. <laughs> we'll pass right. you. Right. And um, and I'm convinced if the churches will take care of the school boards in their local community, all the higher races will take care of themselves. Somebody's will like, Hey, we won the school board, right? It was pretty easy. Hey, let's run for, for city council. Let's run for state rep. Uh, they'll do all the rest. If the pastors will just focus on the school boards.
0: Right. Well, Bill, how do you, uh, how do you interpret? And you know, there's so much on pastors about, you know, pastor, don't get too political. Just teach the Bible. Just preach the Bible. Um, in my mind, politics and, and what the Bible teaches, those those become intertwined. So how do you see that?
1: Yeah, well, there's a huge chunk of the Bible that talks about government, right? It talks about the government shall rest upon his shoulders. Uh, you have the apostle Peter standing up to the, uh, you know, the government Sanhedrin says, we told you not to speak in this name. And he says, it's better to obey God rather than men. You have Daniel was in government. Joseph was in government. Right, you have Obadiah. There was, you know, right hand person to King Ahab, and he was taking food and feeding the prophets in the cave. You have Jeremiah was rebuking the king. He was there telling the king how he's supposed to do the government. Um, to, to remove the Christian voice, I, I don't think Jesus, when he said, "Okay, go into all the world, preach the gospel," this is going to turn the the world upside. Down. Oh, oh, yeah, but don't do anything with government. You know, that that's how uh, when um. Uh, I don't know, there's not time to get into it, but the, the concept of the two spheres, and it's that German-Lutheran idea that there's the church and the government, and, the, and so the church just basically stood by while Hitler seized power, and he's killing Jews, and they're like, well, we can't say anything about that, because that's the, no, the word politics comes from the word polis, which means city, and in New England in America, you had a church with a pastor, Thomas Hooker, that founded the city of Hartford. You had a pastor, Roger Williams, and his church founded Providence, Rhode Island. This, all there was in the city was the church, and politics is policy. It's the business of the city. And so you always, America was founded um, with the pastors and the churches being involved. Amen. And, um, anyway, Amen. but it's always in, in my book, uh, AmericanMinute.com
0: is my website. Well, Bill, thank you for being our guest today, and uh, we, we need to get involved. Gang, pastors, church leaders— Christians, get involved. Stand up for what is right. God bless you.
3: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.